Welcome to the Caspian Podcast, the podcast of the Caspian Post with me, Mark Elliott. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Caspian Podcast. Today, uh, Arnold uh, Alaverdian is with me. I hope I said that right. Uh, Arnold uh, is an AC Milan fan and a PhD uh, candidate in uh, history, uh, ancient antiquity history, I believe, to do with the Caucasus. He's from Iran originally of Armenian stock and is now in the diaspora in Los Angeles in California. Uh, but what we're most interested to hear about is the fact that you've um, you are the co-founder of Bright Garden Voices. Arnold, do tell us what that is and, and welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Mark. Uh, so, as we remember, there was this brutal war in 2020 between Armenia and Azerbaijan, sometimes called the second or third uh, Nagorno-Karabakh war. And, and one of the results and one of the things that happened during the war was, you know, a lot of uh, animosity and toxicity on social media. Uh, not only, of course, it spread from the battlefield to uh, to the news, to the social media, and and it was a very, you know, bad uh, environment. And it still is to some degree, even now, that any discussion between uh, ordinary people would be so, you know, antagonistic, toxic, etc. And you mean whoever... you mean. You mean people on both sides, like Armenians course, and Azerbaijanis, yes. talking to yes. one another? Yes, yes, yes. And 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 whenever someone would try to say something that's more, you know, con- uh, considerate, objective, or you know, uh, what do you call it, constructive, in a sense, they would be, you know, there was going to be a lot of backlash. They would be harassed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, um, but the thing is, during all this time. Um, these people also found each other, you know, throughout the mess that was online in cyberspace. And, and uh, in, in the post-war period, especially me um, and uh, Aidan Gasimov and Diego Arduan. Uh, so we decided, you know, we were one of the people talking to each other, interacting, and we decided, why don't we just maybe do something to, you know, give a space for this, you know, the more constructive alternative voices to this. So, so, so just to, for people that don't know, um, so who are, who are the other people that you're talking about? So Diego Arduan is, um, he's actually Argentinian. He's not Armenian or Azerbaijani ethnicity or anything, he, but he has been interested in the Caucasus, etc. You know, initially he's been active. Uh, there is an Armenian community in Buenos Aires, and he okay. has been very active there. So that shifted his interest to Armenia, Armenia, Turkey, Armenia, Azerbaijan. So he, he, he's very interested in the region. He likes it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, and and people from you know both sides both respected and hated him throughout the war and afterwards. So he is he is is a good person to have. Uh, I think he was a, mm-hmm. a a lot of the initiative was actually based on him. Uh, Aidan Gasimova was just uh, an Azerbaijani uh, that is originally from Baku, uh, was in the Netherlands at the time. And and yeah, she was one of the constructive voices. Uh, and she's not active with us anymore. Uh, so now we have no. Rolf Mamadov uh, take over the uh, organizational you know, part of the program, which is three people, but we have a larger group. Yeah, uh, and and, and I just, just for people who yeah. are new to this whole thing, I think... 
one of the things that's astounded me, again, being sort of a bit of an outsider, I travel a lot to Azerbaijan, particularly I've written guidebooks to the place. But one of the things that I, I until you've been to this region or you interact with the, the diasporas, I think it's truly amazing to discover that really there is pretty much no communication between the countries. The borders have been closed for 30 years. And although people in the Soviet Union grew up side by side and were very much neighbors and friends, um, there has been sort of a 30-year gap, hasn't there, where it's almost since the early 1990s, there's been almost a, a each side almost demonizing the other. And I, and I think for, for listeners that don't realize the degree to which that happens, uh, what you're saying is actually really the fact that you and, um, and an Azerbaijani uh, would be even working together would almost be seen as, in some people's book, almost treacherous. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, people think, uh, you know, I'm the traitor, like uh, Azerbaijanis on the other side think like the Azerbaijanis working in the initiative, they're the traitors. So it's, it's natural, of course. Uh, well, it, I mean, I, yeah, it, it, but I think it's also surprising the degree of feeling. You know, it's natural because you're in it. But I think you know, I, the, I think it's worth stressing to people that aren't so familiar with it that this is a very big deal. In a way, I mean, I mean, there there have been initiatives and programs, etc., before. Um, um, you know, in person meetings, some. Uh, you know, NGOs, etc., civil society. But uh, I mean, in the post-war period, I think immediately, just, it was just two months after. So yeah. we were one of the most active, I think, platforms. And and we were, we were just thinking maybe do a Zoom call or two, you know, it, the aim is to, so yeah, so in the region, it's, it's like 30 years, three decades of no communication. So it's very easy to, you know, anti-dehumanize the other side, et cetera, et cetera. Before that, there was a lot of communication, you know, Soviet period, uh, living together, people in the same cities and villages, et cetera. And uh, throughout the diaspora, of course, it's a whole different story where I am. But uh, the, the aim was to let's host Zoom meetings. Now it's, the pandemic period, right? So people are a little more tech friendly. People know yeah. Zoom a little better. People have don't do a lot of outdoor activities and hobbies they do outdoors. So they'll be more, you know, they're more interested to tune into things like this. Uh, yeah. So the aim was to create better understanding, uh, humanize, rehumanize people, uh, and, you know, give these examples. And these are not, you know, some weird people trying to engage in dialogue. It's, it's, you know, especially during wartime, there is this, the antagonistic rhetoric becomes dominant and hegemonic sometimes. So we have to be careful. They don't represent the opinion of the people and people on the same side, they're sometimes fooled into thinking, you know, to be Armenian, this is how you have to think because the antagonistic rhetoric, you know, take, you know, take hege hegemony sometimes during yeah. conflict. So we wanted to have people see real faces, hear real voices of people engaging in, uh, you know, constructive dialogue or sharing their experiences from the conflict, whether recently, whether 30 years ago, whether anything else in their family or anyone involved. So our aim was just mostly ordinary people. You know, there's other platforms that bring academics, intellectuals more, even though we also bring them and intend to bring more, but to have maybe a more personal, you know, mm -hmm. dimension of yeah. Of things. 
Right. And so tell people a little bit about some of the activities you do. You, you mentioned that you started off with Zoom calls. And I, I mean, I remember, I think it was possibly the first one where um, you had lots of people on the screen and it's uh, and, and a lot of people talking about the backlash that they had suffered just because they were happy to... Um, to engage. Um, I've also seen that the, um, you, I think you were doing a, a lovely interview in very relaxed style in, in, in a, uh, an ice cream parlor in, 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 in LA with a, an Azerbaijani lady. And I thought that was lovely. I, I really liked the sort of sense of, um, you know, the human side, as you say, this seems to be very powerful and, you know, it's, and it just helps us to remember it. It's like two people, just chatting and, and 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 it would seem the most normal thing and I think that that's wonderful what other um what would you say of all of the activities that you've done so far that you're most proud of I would person I personally think when the ones the meetings where we invited um, people who had really emotional or this you know, some of them had angry emotions uh, or just emotional way of thinking about the conflict uh, and their own, given their own personal, you know, experiences, their families' experiences, or or the way they were frustrated with the political situation in their country or etc. So, So I think giving a voice to them was something, you know, it was satisfactory, you know, in a way. To give them a voice, and mm. and 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 especially the, the second meeting about uh, especially about uh, film and you know visuals to do with the conflict. That was which ones? Sorry, it it was about the visuals. You know, film and photography to do with the conflict. Oh, I see. Yes, we yes. had one on deportations and pogroms. Uh, so Azerbaijan is from Armenia proper, and um, Armenians from Azerbaijan. Uh, so. That was very interesting. Um, we had one recently on Vanyan. Oh, the, yes, yes. Yes, the Just, guests had a lot of re really interesting things to say. Yes, because Vanyan, for people that didn't know, was a long-term um, fighter for, for reconciliation, wasn't it? Is that the word? Maybe, again, I, probably even the exact words we use. Is it reconciliation or at least understanding or dialogue, perhaps, it would be the word? I mean... I think a lot of people hope it would lead to reconciliation, but I mean, there's so many steps, I, I think, mm, yeah. in this conflict to get there. But just the confidence to engage, you know, with people from the other side and then the next step of maybe meeting them, having a more meaningful conversation and then yeah. leads to dialogue, leads to so, so many steps. But I'm not saying that there are a lot of people uh, that already... They're totally confident in doing that, yeah, and yeah. even more. But for the as, general as population, again, just for people that didn't know, Venian, as I understood it, set up a peace village, as it were, like it on the board, like in Georgia, so that it was close to both Armenia and Azerbaijan, and it was a, a sort of a venue and a, a sort of opportunity place to meet on neutral territory. Does that? Do we know? I mean, I I'm not sure if that was covered in your in your meeting. Does that still exist, or are people who worked with Venian still carrying on that? message uh, it was yeah tekali is a azerbaijani village um you know i think azerbaijani village in uh south georgia southeastern georgia it's uh, close to actually the borders of armenia and azerbaijan mm. so that's why he chose this area and people describing the way he organized all of this is like 
in, in some ways they're like, they say they wouldn't be able to do it themselves. They don't know how someone who doesn't know Azerbaijani went and organized everything uh, with, mm-hmm. uh, with a small group of people. But, and people from Armenia, from Azerbaijan and from Georgia, you know, they would, they would come there, gather, uh, and uh, they would actually stay in the homes of the ethnic Azerbaijanis there. Right, yeah. And, and, and they and, would like, yeah. they would cook uh, for them, etc., etc., and they would talk about different things. Uh, and as far as I know, people with, you know, different opinions, you know, gave their brother voices there mm. and spoke to yeah. each other. Do, do, can you imagine Bright Garden Voices sort of developing a sort of, uh, um, something along those lines or even sort of working together with that group of people or maybe you do already uh, absolutely we would uh, we definitely would certainly um, we, we want to expand in that direction you know mm. at the moment everything is uh, very like uh, online based but that's definitely in the plans when we yeah, especially when the pandemic sort of goes down a bit so we are thinking about meetings, doing meetings, uh, in-person meetings, uh, getting ourselves together because Bright Garden, people involved with us are from all these places, you know, Armenia, Azerbaijan, some Georgia, Europe. So doing a in-person meeting would be great, but also if we could organize to bring uh, more people, those are things we consider. We haven't, uh, we don't have any plans specifically of what to do or how we're going to do anything like that or if, but but uh, yeah, and now a slightly more difficult question, in more less less pleasant question. What what you you said that you had backlash on many things. What what subjects or which broadcast or which issues have you had the the, the most have caused you the most trouble? I mean, and I think you'd mentioned that there've been upsurges in attacks. I read something. So attacks. I mean, I'm not sure if you mean physical or virtual, but it sounds like you, you know even your your you know very modest and, and and very thoughtful efforts are still causing you trouble so you know could you talk to us about that a little yeah uh, unfortunately the content of the meetings don't matter because the people who do the attacks mostly don't watch <laughs> don't watch them. they just attack us for for engaging dialogue yeah definitely it's they they don't interact and it shows uh, a lot of the people who do there there have been people who actually change their minds about the initiative after the first or second meeting we had, when they actually watched it and they said, oh, you know what, this is not bad. But uh, the, uh, but being the Armenian, um, you know, co-founder and and uh, given what happened in the war, you know, it was, the outcome was less favorable for the Armenians. There was a lot of trauma from it, still is. So I, I get the brunt of the attacks, you know, yes. especially last, uh, exactly last year, January, February. Um, it, I was the one, you know, being uh, called a traitor, you know, harassment online. It doesn't bother me. For some people, it bothers them. But of course, there's more hostile messages that came my way. But it's expected. It's expected. I mean, uh, in this conflict with the with the discourse, there is that's right. Do you think, are there from, I mean, it's probably hard to tell because a lot of this is online, but do do you perceive there to be generational differences? You know, is one generation more or less accepting um, of the the need for dialogue and the need for humanizing things? Yes, uh, I the thing is, though, the older generation is not represented, for example, especially not represented on Twitter. 
a little represented on other online platforms like Facebook, which, and there are large groups of people of course, involving older generations talking to each other, Armenians, Azerbaijanis. The older generation is, I think, much less likely to stereotype, et cetera, et cetera, um, in, in the region. And they also tend to be more passive, I think, most of them, uh, mm. less reactionary. Their younger generation tend to be more reactionary. Uh, and But also, also, a lot of the young people, you know, I, I've come to contact with in Armenia and Azerbaijan, it's, it, it makes me so hopeful. There is such a good, vibrant, uh, you know, uh, interesting group of young individuals who want the best for the region and their neighbors, etc. So that makes me hopeful. And I didn't, I didn't think about this even. I didn't have this idea of these vibrant uh, groups of young people in both countries. Well, that that is encouraging. Yes. yes. Um, now, the the other factor is um, that I, I know the diasporas. Um, of both countries, but particularly Armenian diaspora, are very powerful forces. And I, I sometimes think, I mean, I, I know more of people from the Armenian, uh, from the Azerbaijani diaspora, but again, there is this slight sense that the diaspora almost wants to push for more maximalist solutions. And I just wonder whether, whether you get more pushback actually from diaspora than in fact from from people in the region, or is this is that a myth? Am I, am I sort of making that up? <laughs> I mean, there is there are diaspora organizations uh, that yeah often do adopt you know maximalist because uh, they could uh, the thing this is what we have to remember you know a lot of the efforts of you know the organizations in the diaspora etc the voices are from the Armenia Turkey sphere yeah you know where where there is like you know almost universally accepted that Armenians feel very victimized in that context. And, and this, uh, you know, becomes transferred over to Armenia, Azerbaijan also. And, and yeah. a, a lot of the Armenian diaspora is, you know, behind whatever that's, you know, about Armenia, Turkey, you know, they agree with it, they agree with it. And, and it, this discourse that's, you know, developed in that context, which one side is, you know, cert certainly the victim, it, you know, it, it transfers to Armenia, Azerbaijan, and so it's hard to break away from that. And, you know, the equation of Azerbaijanis and Turks, etc., it's, mm -hmm. and it became even harder with the recent war, you know, with Turkey's involvement. So, so yeah, the, th the thing is still, people, it's, yes, it's, uh, it, it could be more maximally sometimes, the rhetoric that comes out. It, I would say in Armenia, I hear, you know, the people in, involved in journalism, civil society, there sometimes you see more diverse opinions, actually, right. than, than the diaspora. So that, that's, that's interesting. And of course, people, you know, it's paid the consequences, but it's not, not many people go as far as, you know, to condemn the diaspora for those views. Because No, no, I, I'm not meaning to do yeah. that. I'm, 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 no, no, I'm, I'm yeah. just sort of trying to sense it. Because, I, I, again, the, the question, one of the questions one has, I, I mean, I, I, I'm sure we can't really ever answer this because it's it's so subjective, but the, the degree to which most, and I think this is kind of what your, your uh, whole uh, outfit is trying to show, perhaps to the large degree, my sense is that normal people on both sides want peace. Um, and it's a little bit frustrating that the the 
politicians and the most vocal people are always pushing, um, seeing the problems. Now, I mean, obviously that's a politician's job, and but uh, you know, uh, am I am I completely barking up the wrong tree there? I mean, the fact you're getting so much pushback is that. Is it from just very vocal people or is, you know, are you actually possibly representing a majority that are just normally too scared to speak? I'm not sure I would say majority. You know, I, I think most people are, a lot of people are passive uh, about yeah. the conflict. And, you know, our one of our co-organizers, Rof Mamadov, was recently in Azerbaijan. And that, that was his observation. He was talking about Bright Garden and people were like, eh, you know, <laughs> yes. uh, it's... it's and, and, and of course, um, in some, to some degree, politicians have to reflect the people's, I think, um, mm -hmm. emotions, etc. But uh, no, I, I think a good part of the population is still very antagonistic, unfortunately. Okay. Uh, maybe, maybe this will, I think, change and and i don't know i'm not sure if I'm, i have the right representation but sure, sure. i think i think the, also the majority of the population want a resolution to it there I, I think there's a feeling of you know tiredness about the whole thing um and and the old status quo you know both on the battlefield and you know the the whole narratives it has changed so so it's it's uh, of course it was tragic the way it changed, but it's interesting to see what comes next. Yeah. But uh, the thing is, though, I mean, talking about diaspora, a lot of people involved with Bright Garden, uh, Armenians and Azerbaijanis, are from the diaspora also. So, uh, but you know, in the countries, whenever there is something, uh, you know, nationalistic or charged, that makes the news in the other side, probably not anything else. So yeah. we have to be. And so, so just to sort of wind it up, what, what would be your your dream? Say, say three or four years down the road, um, where the, the, in 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 the ideal situation, um, where where do you think Bright Garden? Would you like to see Bright Garden going? Do you, and how much difference do you think it can make? So, what I would like to see pers uh, personally, and I'm not speaking on behalf of Bright Garden, but. Uh, I like to see mass engagement, you know, like if we, you know, create this platform where people can talk to each other here, there, online, in person, but, you know, Armenians together, Azerbaijanis together, anything to do with the conflict, you know, as uh, hearing as, as many voices, etc., cetera, um, doing more public events, maybe in person. So, and hearing as many voices as possible. Right. Uh, especially voices that usually are not, you know, tend not to be heard of in public. So we, we want all those voices to be heard. And what I think the impact would be, um, it's on its own. I mean, in terms of the conflict, well, first of all, each person, if it makes them, uh, it shapes it reshapes, you know, their own way of thinking, an alternative voice, etc. When they engage, when they hear something with Bright Garden voices, if it brings them more towards the conciliary side, I guess, you know, I, I think that's that's an achievement on its own for each person. And, you know, each person has uh, connections with an infinite number of people. But in terms of politically changing things on the in the political sphere, battlefield, etc., it could be 
minimum. Uh, but if there if there is a political will, then this these sort of initiatives, I think, could play a role there and in shaping that political will. Maybe if it if these narratives also spread a lot, um, you know, throughout the public, because it, each our brains, you know, work by seeing examples of them. Even you, you, you give people numbers, something on a paper, uh, they're like, okay, I don't see them. Where are they? You know, these people who are speaking like this. So if they see like real faces, real voices, real conversations, you know, it, this is how your um, imagination is shaped of the public, of your own society. So, and, and, and a fair, you know, a fair representation of people, but, uh, you know, in a way that's probably constructive. So, 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 but, but there is, I don't think there's any other alternative, you know, you have, there needs to be communication between the public, no matter how eventually that has an impact. And it does have an impact, maybe if minimum, there, there has to be public engagement. Well, anyway, I just think that's, it's wonderful that you're doing that. And as you say, everything starts with small steps. Uh, if we can help you at the Caspian Post uh, to spread your message, I would love to to be as much of assistance as we can be. I'm, I'm sure we're, we're very much coming at these from slightly different angles, but very much have the same uh, idea. We want, we want peace. We want people to get back together and, and for people's lives to be better. Anyway, uh, Arnold, thank you so much for spending the time. It's uh, really great to talk to you. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to uh, Caspian Podcast. Uh, thank you very much and do tune in again next time. Thank, thank you, Mark. You.